Section 58 of Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. Familiar Instructions and Evening Lectures on All the Truths of Religion, Volume 2, by Father Louis de Segur. Conversion and Death of a Young Protestant A poor sempstress of Paris, Mademoiselle P., who was wholly devoted to God and to good works, heard one day in the month of November 1850 that a young Swiss artist, a Protestant, dying of consumption, had been reduced by poverty to enter the hospital to be nursed through his last illness. The thought of the lonely, friendless condition of this young man, who had lost both his fortune and his health, and, still more, a desire to save his soul, inspired Mademoiselle P. with the idea, a singular one perhaps, but at all events most Christian, of going to the hospital to see Monsieur Gabriel Edmond, and of trying to impart to him, if possible, the only true consolation. According to the Christian rule, Mademoiselle P. commenced by prayer. She cast herself at the feet of the Mother of God and promised her to spend for the poor sick man all that she could gain up to the time of his conversion. She asked many to join her in prayers for this intention. She had a mass said for the success of her good work, and then, under the protection of Mary, she entered the hospital of Beaujon. Gabriel Edmund was thirty years old. He was dying of consumption. Death was already written upon his wasted face. He received Mademoiselle P., at first with astonishment, then with pleasure. To those who are suffering, any kindly, friendly face does good. His visitor spoke to him of his illness, of his circumstances, of anything that would be likely to interest him. She asked if she might come and see him again. Yes, indeed, gladly, exclaimed the poor sick man, quite touched. No visit has ever given me so much pleasure. And when Mademoiselle P. left him, his eyes followed her with gratitude. The following Sunday she came again. Gabriel Edmund could not understand such kindness. But you do not know me, he repeated. Why should you take any trouble about me? And the pious sempstress tried to explain to him the difference there is between the love with which Christians love one another and the so-called friendships which exist between men and women of the world. Everything went smoothly so long as she confined herself to general topics, but when she began to speak to him of the Blessed Virgin, when she asked him if he would not be glad to think that others were asking her prayers for him, he grew angry and replied with animation that he was not a Catholic and should be sorry to put confidence in a woman who could do nothing for him, in God perhaps, but in the Virgin, never. The poor girl replied, quite simply, that Catholics love the Blessed Virgin because she is the Mother of God, that they call upon her in their troubles because the Savior, when dying, gave her to his disciples to be their mother and protectress, and that all are sure of her assistance who invoke her with faith and confidence. And do you think that she could cure me? asked Edmund. See what a long time everyone has tried in vain? Indeed she could cure you, replied the pious sempstress. That is to say, she can obtain for you the cure of your body, 
and, what is better still, patience and resignation. But for this it is necessary to pray to her and to believe that she is truly the mother of God. Gabriel Edmund, unusually moved, remained silent for an instant. And you, do you believe this? he asked suddenly. I do most firmly believe it. Then I will believe it too. Pray for me and ask your friends to pray for me, as you said, though I cannot imagine why they should pray for a stranger. Then Mademoiselle P. told him that the young girls who belonged to the Associations of the Blessed Virgin met every Sunday and prayed together, and how they prayed especially for the afflicted, for the sick, and for sinners. Gabriel seemed surprised and touched at all he heard. But you also, for your part, added Mademoiselle P., must pray yourself to Mary. Stay, here is a beautiful prayer composed in her honor by a saint. It was the Memorare. Will you promise me to read it? Yes, replied Gabriel. And here is a little medal with her image. Let me tie it round your neck. The sick man consented, and from that moment a great change came over him. If she can cure me, he said, I will pray to her every day. And there were tears in his eyes as he spoke. And now, he added, you are no longer a stranger to me. Let me think of you as my sister. Before leaving him, Mademoiselle P. asked him if he would receive a visit from a priest whom she knew and to whose prayer she had recommended him. Willingly, he said, provided that he does not talk to me about religion. Happy at her success, full of faith and of confidence in the Blessed Virgin, Mademoiselle P. came to me with this good news. I went at once to the dying man. We soon made acquaintance with each other. My first visit was short, but we parted friends. I did not speak of religion, and Gabriel requested me to come again. In a very little time, I did so, and I read my welcome in the suffering, dying face of the poor artist. I sat down by his pillow. He held my hand in his and regarded me with affection. I spoke to him of God and of the consolations he gives to those who love him. I soon perceived that poor Gabriel had not even the semblance of a creed. He scarcely believed in God or in his divine providence, not at all in the Blessed Trinity, nor in Jesus Christ, nor in Christianity. I briefly explained to him all that the Catholic Church teaches concerning these great truths, and he seemed surprised at finding it all so clear, so reasonable, so worthy of God and man. As I spoke to him, his eyes were fixed upon me, and an undefinable expression animated his pale, sunken features. I felt I could see the action of God's grace rushing in upon this soul. Life was being breathed into it. The light of Jesus Christ was enlightening it. The Holy Spirit was dilating and softening his heart. And presently I began speaking to him of the sweet Virgin Mother, and of the excess of the mercy of our Heavenly Father, who, not content with having given us his Son for our Savior, went further still, and was willing in his great compassion to envelop the divine Son of Justice and of his holiness in a soft, luminous cloud, lest his bright eyes and piercing rays, which even the mystery of the Incarnation could not dim, should overpower and dazzle our feeble human sight. Everything you say is new to me, said poor Gabriel. 
but I feel irresistibly convinced of its truth. I have never had such teaching, and light seems breaking in upon my mind with every word you utter. Such faith, I feel, must come from God. It is a revelation, and I believe that in mercy He has sent you to me, who had no faith, that I should not die in darkness. For this I thank Him, and now I will hear you, Father, to the end, and you shall be to me as a messenger from heaven. And next I spoke to him of the sovereign pontiff of the Catholic Church, and explained to him how the Pope is the successor of St. Peter, the supreme head of the disciples of Jesus Christ, and that we are all bound to listen to him and obey him, because it is by Jesus Christ that he is sent. And I repeated the grand words of the gospel, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and to thee I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Are those the exact words of the gospel, he questioned, and truly spoken by Jesus Christ? I found the passage and gave it to him to read, and I could see by the expression of his face as he read that he was perfectly content, and that every shadow of doubt was passing swiftly away. I should have wished to give him time to think over all I had said, and to realize the happiness which arises from a conviction of the truth. But the hours were precious. The sister had warned me that he might not live through the night. Therefore I decided. My child, I said to the dying man, you are a Catholic at heart already. Why should you not be so altogether? You should wait no longer, but should at once enter into the true church of Jesus Christ. Gabriel Edmund did not answer but steadfastly regarded me. Will you become a Catholic? I repeated. A violent conflict seemed to be going on in his mind. Yes, he said at last in a whisper. But what will my mother say if she should hear? What could she say? When we recognize an error, is it not loyal, is it not necessary, to renounce it at once and to embrace the truth? Do you firmly believe that there is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Yes, I believe it. Do you believe that the Son was made man to save you, that He died for you upon the cross, and that He has prepared for you a blessed eternity? Yes, I believe it. I believe it with my whole heart. Do you believe that there is only one church which is divinely appointed to teach the Christian faith, and will you become her child? I will. Then I took some holy water which I had brought in case I should need it, and baptized him conditionally under the name of Gabriel André Marie. It was the 30th of November, the feast of St. Andrew Apostle and his own feast. We were both struck by this coincidence. What happiness, he repeated. What happiness, it is truly the day of my feast. And as he spoke, his face grew radiant. I then received his confession and gave him absolution conditionally also, as is done in such cases. And when I had ended, he embraced me with inexpressible tenderness and emotion. Father, Father, he murmured, I believe all. How good God is. He has forgiven me everything. He loves me and I love him. I have never been so happy in my life. Then lifting his eyes to heaven, he exclaimed, I see now why all this trouble came upon me and why I was obliged to take refuge in this hospital. It was because I refused to believe in Jesus Christ. 
God struck me in order to heal me. But now I am a Christian. All is ended. He asked me to allow him to make his first communion, but I put it off until the next day for fear of tiring him too much. And, full of gratitude to the Mother of Mercy, I left this newborn son of my heart, whom I was never alas to see again in this world. Mademoiselle P. went to him the next day. I was prevented going. As soon as he perceived her, he held out his hands and exclaimed with tears in his eyes, Thank God I am a Catholic. The poor girl was so much moved at seeing him thus that she burst into tears. The dying man spoke to her of God with an emotion and a depth of feeling that were quite wonderful in one who had been so cold and indifferent. I was baptized, he said. I made my confession, and I was absolved from my sins on the day of my feast. It was the feast of St. Andrew. My dear little sister, I am a Catholic. I am the happiest man in the world. It was arranged that the next day I should see him, and that he should make his first communion. There is no time for delay, he added, for I am going to die. I recommend myself to your charity. I should like to rest when I am dead in the midst of my brethren in consecrated Catholic ground. Mademoiselle P. promised him that this should be as he desired. She left him full of faith, of gratitude, of love to Jesus Christ, of devotion towards the Mother of God. When she returned the next morning at nine o'clock, he was dead. I met her coming back. We thank God together for the salvation of this soul, worked by our united efforts. And on the following day, I offered for the expiation of his sins the sacrifice of propitiation, of which I placed the fruits in the hands of Mary. Mademoiselle P. brought her work to its final completion. By her own wish, she paid the expenses of the burial of Gabriel Edmund out of her modest earnings and accompanied him herself to his last resting place. End of section 58